Would you turn with me this morning again to scripture we've looked at previously, Romans the 8th chapter. Romans chapter 8. Thank you, Lord. We've been talking for some weeks now on Sunday mornings about the Spirit-led life. Has anybody been growing and being led by the Spirit? I trust you have. And uh, we're doing this by direction of the Lord. I mean, there were three things he told me uh, right after we got here that I was to teach the people and lead the people in. And that's you. And uh, one of them was teach the family how to love and walk in love. And so we camped on that a while. You understand we're not through with that. Right. That's just an injection of love. Amen. And then we'll come back and feed on it some more. Meditate on it some more. But then also how to walk by faith. And we spent some time on that. And the third thing he said was to uh, teach the people how to be led by the Spirit. And so we've been on that for some weeks now. And I believe that the results should be that we're all more sensitive to the leading of the Lord. Don't you? That his direction is more real to us. And we're we're getting weaned off and changed from being head-led, feeling-led, money-led, anything opportunity-led, but we're spirit-led. Amen? Spirit-led. Hallelujah. I was waiting on the Lord last night and he said some things to me. Would you like to know what those are? I was, uh, you know, you're not supposed to say everything the Lord tells you. Sometimes folk don't understand that. You're not supposed to. There's some things you're only supposed to say at certain times. And there's some things you're not supposed to tell at all. Because it's just between you and the Lord. And if you're, if you're too big of a blabbermouth, he'll, he'll quit telling you things. Amen. <laughs> Did you hear me? Because you're, you're not faithful. Uh, particularly, people have made mistakes concerning things about other people's lives. If you get revelation about a problem in somebody else's life, or you find out about it in a natural way, or a supernatural way, and you tell other people about it, and you embarrass people, or you make them look bad in front of other people, then you are disqualifying yourself from being used of the Lord. He's not interested in embarrassing people or hanging out folks' dirty laundry. You understand that? And, you know, I've, I've seen people, you know, I think it's just ignorance. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It's just they didn't, for some reason, they didn't know any better. Uh, they got something in their spirit about somebody and called them out. And told people, told people in the congregation, you know, out loud about something that was wrong in their life. Only hypocrites should be reproved publicly. And only then by direction of the Lord. And it's a rare thing. Did you hear me? And the Lord's not in, aren't you glad he's not interested, the Lord's not interested in hanging out your dirty laundry. Or mine. (laughs) And, uh, you know. It's not a one of us that you could put up on the platform, put the spotlight on, and tell about everything that ever happened in your life. There's some things you wouldn't want told. 
And how many believe that when you're cleansed, you're cleansed? When you've been washed by the blood, you're washed, you're clean, it's gone. So uh, be, be watchful of that. And if you want the Lord to use you in these areas, don't be a blabbermouth and be conscientious about saying things that would embarrass people or, or make somebody think less of somebody for you telling it. The thing is, you don't. Well, in, in praying last night, uh, I spent a long time waiting on the Lord about some things. And uh, I, I told him uh, again, I said, Lord, I'm, I'm speaking for you too. Tell me if I was saying the right thing. I said, Lord, we want to see your move, your, your, your spirit move. We, we want to uh, see the move of your spirit, the real thing, we, not, not a bunch of flesh and a bunch of junk, the real thing. We want to see the manifestations of your spirit and the move of God in our midst. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, hunger. <laughs> hunger. Because I was asking him, you know, why don't we see more? I'm just talking about in the nation and, and in the world, a lot of churches we don't see, I'm convinced, the full manifestation of the Lord's Spirit. Why don't we see more? And the Lord said to me, I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but inside me, he said, uh, my people, so many of my people are not hungry enough. They're satisfied with less and with little. They're not hungry. Their life is filled with other things besides me. I saw it. And I'm telling you because I believe it's significant to you. We are to be more hungry for him. Amen. Amen. Hungry. He gave me five things. We'll talk about them. As the Lord leads us, I don't know that I should spend my whole time on it this morning, but I want you to know them so you can be thinking about them, so you can be praying about them. He said, number one, hunger. And I'm believing the Lord for revelation so we'll see how to get more hungry. Hunger. And he said, prayer. Well, prayer is a result of being hungry. Do you know that? You get hungry enough for God, you'll get to praying. Prayer. And then also he said to me, faith. Well, if, you, uh, if you're hungry for God and for more of him and you're praying for more of him, you shouldn't just be praying and begging and just praying and begging. You should be praying and believing. Right? And once you've asked the Lord for some things, expect. Amen. Expect. How many understand our expectation can come up a lot higher than what it is though? Amen. We can come up a lot further. Faith. Yeah. Expectancy. And the other is reverence. Now, we've already talked about that. He actually told us that was the first thing in the Spirit-led life. But reverence, when the Lord begins to move and do some things, we must reverence Him and respect Him. If we don't, we'll disqualify ourselves from further. And that has happened in many, many churches that the Lord heard their prayer and began to do things and people didn't want it. Now, I don't want a bunch of junk and flesh, but I do want the Spirit of God to move. Amen. 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 And when he does things, we should respect it. And and finally, fifthly, obedience, he said to me. Uh, And we're going to be talking about that uh, further, even in this series. But another way of saying obedience is saying yielding. Yielding. 
When he deals with you to do something, you do it. Right? When he deals with me to do something, I do it. When he deals with you to do something, you do it. We obey. I mean, understand, the Spirit of God could begin moving. God could begin doing some special things for us. But if we quit obeying him, it'll stop it. Right? We have to obey and keep on obeying. And this is something he said to me, kind of a psalm that came up in my spirit in the nighttime about hunger. He said, uh, if you're hungry for me, you'll turn off the TV. If you're hungry for me, in the Word you'll be. If you're hungry for me, in prayer you will press. If you're hungry for me, other people you'll bless. If you hunger and thirst and draw closer to me, you'll surely be filled. And my glory you'll see. Hallelujah. I wrote that down last night. He gave that to me, I believe. I'll say it again. Will you want me to say it again? I believe he said to me, if you're hungry for me, you'll turn off the TV. There's no wonder he'd say that. I think that's one of the biggest time robbers in modern times. Isn't it? You know? And if you want to find out how much of a thing it's been to you, just leave it off for a week. Don't turn it on. And you'll be sitting around going, what do I do? <laughs> With your couple of hours that you have off at night or whatever, what will you do then? Well, remember the Bible. The Lord said, if you're hungry for me, you'll turn off the TV. If you're hungry for me, in the word, you will be. If you're hungry for me, in prayer, you will press. If you're hungry for me, other people, you'll bless. If you hunger and thirst and draw closer to me, you will surely be filled and my glory you'll see. And that's what we were hungry for. Are you? I, I want his glory. Isn't that what Moses, he said, Lord, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. And you don't want to just learn more about me. And I don't just want to learn just more about you. We do want to get better acquainted. But it's not just about me and you. I want to see God. You want to see God. I want to experience more of him. You want to experience more of him. It would suit me. If God manifest himself so powerful in this place that you didn't even know who was here. You just leave going, oh God, <laughs> you're so real. You're so good. Can you say amen? amen? Pray about those things. Meditate upon them. Keep them in your heart and your mind. Hunger. Prayer. Faith. Reverence. Obedience. Are you in Romans, the eighth chapter? Yes, sir. Romans chapter eight. Thank you, Lord. Romans eight and verse 14 is our text that we've looked at repeatedly. Romans eight fourteen. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself, King James, most translations say himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Notice particularly verse 14 and verse 16, as many as are led led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Can sons of God expect to be led by the Spirit of God? Recently we read the book of Acts. And we, we saw how many times, just, just every chapter almost, it says something about the Spirit said this. The Spirit directed this way. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit forbade them to do this or that. The Holy Spirit was so real to them in every part of their life, they were aware of His leading and direction. Is He supposed to be less real to us than to them? Certainly not. He's supposed to be just as real. Amen? Can you know the leading of the Lord in your spirit? Spirit of God, sons of God, can expect to be led by the Spirit of God. Now verse 16 tells us how... He leads us. One of the most revealing scriptures in the New Testament about how he does it. What does it say? The Spirit of God, the Spirit himself, does what? Bears witness. Now let's just stop right there. If you were here, we talked about how that that word means co-witness. C-O-witness. Co-witness or a witnessing with. You're not just a mind and body. You know, a lot of times people, uh, that's all they talk about is the mind and the body. And that's all that any effort and money is spent on. Uh, You know, billions are spent on developing the mind. Billions are spent on athletes developing their body. But so many times people don't even know they are a spirit, much less to develop their spirit. Well, you're not just a mind and a body. You are a spirit. You have a mind. You live in a body. Amen. And the the God is a spirit. The Holy Spirit obviously is a spirit. And he's going to lead you through what part of your being? Your mind? No. No, he doesn't lead you through your mind. This is where people have made mistakes. They try to be led by their reason or by their logic or by their intellect. He doesn't lead us through our intellect. He doesn't lead us through our reasoning or our logic. Nor does he lead us through our body. He doesn't lead us through physical feelings. Nor through emotions. What part of our being does he lead us by? Our spirit. Well, you can see the difficulty if a person doesn't even know they are a spirit. They're not even aware of their own spirit. Well, then they're going to be dull to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. But how many are are coming to a greater realization that you are a spirit? How many realize that if your body died today, you'd still be you? Right? You'd slip out of your body. And uh, since you're saved, you're going to go up. People that are not saved go down. But since you are saved, you go up. And people say, well, will we know one another in heaven? Well, if you know one another down here. Yeah, because 
they're going to be them and you're going to be you. Some, somebody talks about, you know, I've heard people say, well, God, you know, took that young person because he needed another angel in the choir. Completely unscriptural. Amen. Men's reasoning, trying to explain things they don't understand. No, you don't turn into an angel when you die or when you go to heaven. That would be a demotion. The Bible says we shall judge angels. You remember reading that? We shall judge angels. Angels are sent to be ministering spirits, to minister for those who are heirs of salvation, Hebrews said. They're here to help us and assist us. But uh, you are a spirit being. And I'm going to, you know, as soon as we complete this, I believe, unless the Lord says something differently, I'm going to get into some specifics and particulars about how you can become more aware of your spirit and how you can become more sensitive to the leading of the Lord. But right now, we're just identifying how does he lead us? Through what means? Are you clear on it? How does he lead us? Tell me out loud. He leads us by his Holy Spirit through what part of our being? Our own spirit. Do you know you are a spirit? Can you identify? I mean, people say, well, I don't understand all that stuff. Do you believe you have a mind? Can you put your hand on it? No. No. Mrs. Well, if I could open up my skull, I could touch my mind. No, you couldn't. You could touch your brain. Your brain's not your mind. Your brain's the physical organ your mind functions through. If your brain was removed, you'd still have your mind. Now, you couldn't express it through in the earth because you've got to have this, uh, this physical ability to express in the earth. If you lose your body, you can't express yourself in the earth. That's why demons are always wanting to get a hold of people because they can't express themselves in this realm without a body. And if nobody would yield to the devil, it would be like there was no devil. You ever thought about that? If nobody on the planet would yield their mouth or their hands or their body to the devil, it would be like the devil and all his demons were on the other side of a plate glass. Wanting to say, wanting to do, but can't express themselves in the earth because nobody would yield to them. Well, unfortunately, there's plenty of people (laughs) that will yield to the devil. But how many believe in the church, in the church? We could not yield to the devil. We could, we could sit in our hearts and have a church where the, nobody yielded to the devil in the church. Wouldn't that be a good goal? Nobody. Well, what if nobody would yield to the devil in the church? Then all he could do was try to attack us from the outside. He couldn't cause us any internal problems. Said out loud, I will not yield myself. To the devil for him to speak through me or act through me, I refuse to give place to the devil. No, what we're going to do, we're going to yield to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let him talk through us. Let him love through us. Let him help through us. Heal through us. Direct through us. Bless through us. Amen. That should be every Christian's goal, to be just like Jesus. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What does that mean? 
That means that he was, every day, he was yielding himself to the Father God, and the Father was speaking through Jesus, healing through Jesus, moving through Jesus, so much so that when you're seeing Jesus, who is operating as a man in the earth, you're seeing God. You're hearing God. How many believe God can speak through you? Manifest through you? We don't claim that that's happening 100% of the time, every day, but we can yield ourselves so that it gets more and more that way. That there are times when we're talking and people are hearing God through us. Amen. Amen. There are times when we're doing things and people are seeing God through us because we're not yielding to the devil, but we're yielding to the Lord. Yielding ourselves to the Spirit. Well, learning how to yield to His leading and direction is a long way toward letting Him manifest Himself through you and people seeing God in you. He said, the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I'd like for you to go back to the book of Luke today. I didn't feel that I finished and got through with what we talked about last Sunday. Everybody happy? We talked last week about identifying the witness. And we looked at the phrase, seems good. We saw where it said it seemed good to this one and that one to do this. And we saw that it was in connection with the Holy Spirit. In one place in Acts it says it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. The Holy Ghost and us. Does that sound like a co-witness? We had to witness and the Holy Ghost added his big witness to ours. Amen. Amen. And it seemed good to us. And as we got to praying about it and looking at it, we found out it was good to the Holy Ghost. And so that's the thing they did. Everybody say seems good. good. Identifying the witness. We have to keep talking about it because it's a strange concept to some folk. Because all their life they've just made their decisions based on their knowledge or based on other people's advice or opinion or how they felt or circumstances or any number of other things. And so you have to retrain yourself to be led by the Spirit. What the Bible say in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart which is the part of our being he leads us through, and lean not to your own understanding. And so you do have to train yourself. And especially if you've lived another way for decades, you have to retrain yourself. Oh, I thank God I started on this in my late teens. Hallelujah. And you don't learn all these things overnight. And you're always growing and, and, and getting more aware of him and learning how he works and moves. But if you've gone for 40 years and just lived by your head and lived by your intellect, then you've made a lot of mistakes. Amen. <laughs> uh, is that right? Because you can never know enough in your head to make the right decision every time. I don't care how much research you, you, you make, how much reading you do. I don't care. You can never know enough to make the perfect decision every time. That's why he said, don't lean to your what? For one thing, how can you know the future? How can you know the future with your head? But the one who lives in your spirit knows the future. And he'll show us things to come, the scripture said. Amen. 
There's been times I've been all primed to go a certain way with something and I'm getting ready to do it and just got a glimpse of what was going to happen over the next year in that area. And I thought, "Uh uh-uh, well then I'm not doing that. Just a glimpse. You thought, hmm. And sure enough, I didn't do it. And, and it, the thing went that way. And I thought, glory to God, I'm so glad I didn't, didn't go that way. Because nobody knew. Except God. But he always knows. Said out loud, I'll not be head led. I'll be spirit led. Well, when we talk about, you know, you think about doing something. Here is a, here's, here's two paths before you. Here are five different choices. Uh, maybe it's a small choice or a big choice. Makes no difference. The principle's the same in being led. How do I decide which one I go with? How do I decide? Well, find out what you can in your head. Sure, use your mind. But at the same time, be checking your heart. When I think about going this way, what am I looking for? The witness. Heard some people say peace. That's right, too. We're going to talk about that. Uh, That is another way of identifying the witness. But there's more to it than that, too. You're looking for the witness. You think about going this way, and you just have nothing. It looks good to your head. All your friends think it's great. But when you check your heart, it's just nothing. Just flat just dead, nothing. You think about going this way, and it looks great, but you don't have anything in here. I'm not talking about a physical feeling. I'm talking about the witness. And when you, you look over here, and, and man, the more you think about that, it seems good. It seems good. Well, where's your seamer at? You say, it seems good. That's not your head. That's not your emotions. Where's your seamer at? Let's talk about your spirit now. It's a spiritual sense and a knowing. Look here in the book of Luke, and let me give you a couple of examples, and then I want to share with you some personal experiences, uh, how I've learned some of these things too. In Luke, the first chapter we read last time, Luke 1. If you get excited at some point and you want to say amen, that'll be okay. (laughs) The ushers won't bother you. It'll be just fine. (laughs) Luke 1, verse 3, Dr. Luke said, it seemed good. It what? It seemed good to me. And he goes on to describe, it seemed good to him to write this book. That's how he was led to write this book. Didn't say he saw an angel or heard an audible voice. It just seemed good to do it. How many believe he he heard from the Lord? He was led by the Spirit. And it was just, it seemed good. Now, in the second chapter, I want you to see this in action. Luke 2. Luke 2. And this whole passage has to do with what we call the, the Christmas story. The birth of the master. In Luke 2. And verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem. Whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And what? 
the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now, you know, he, he couldn't be filled with the Spirit uh, and born again like we are today. But he could have the Spirit on him, anointing him to do things even under this covenant. And verse 26, and it was what? Revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. All the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit that you read about in 1 Corinthians 12 were in manifestation in the Old Testament with the exception of tongues and interpretation. All of them were. So how did he know this? Revelation gift. Word of knowledge and word of wisdom. He knew that in his spirit. And so he kept living. And kept getting older and kept living, but he wasn't ready to go home because he hadn't seen the Christ yet. And verse 27, he came, how? By the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, he was there. And he saw him. And he took Jesus up in his arms, the babe, and he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And while he was saying that and blessing the baby, verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess. The daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. So she must have been about a hundred and four or so. And she served God, uh, didn't depart out of the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant. Boy, talking about being at the right place. At the right time, gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Now, how did they know where to be? I mean, there's only one time that this is going to happen, that they're going to bring in the, the baby, Jesus, and offer up the sacrifices and present him before. That only happens once. They're there all the time. I mean, Anna is. He goes and comes. How did they know? That instant she came in. How did he know? Didn't you'd have to add to the Bible to say an angel appeared to him. Or even that he heard an audible voice. What does the scripture say exactly? He came, what? By the Spirit. The, I believe it's what is the NIV says he was moved or impelled, moved by the Spirit. The living says impelled by the Spirit. Listen to these words, impelled, moved. That sounds like something internal, doesn't it? He was doing something else and it just came up in him, seemed like he ought to go to the temple right now. So he did. And who was there? The one he'd been looking for. Does it pay to pay attention to your spirit? 
Because the Holy Ghost is going to lead you. And I've seen this so many times. How easy it would be to talk yourself out of that. I don't know what Simon was doing. Am I saying it right? Was it Simeon? Simeon. Uh, What Simeon was doing at that particular moment. Maybe he was washing his clothes. Maybe he was in the middle of something. I don't know what was going on. But he got it in his spirit. Go to church. Right now. And he did. Anna was over somewhere else, I reckon, maybe praying or doing something and got it in her spirit. Go over to that part of the temple right now. She walked in at exactly the right instant, it said. Just as Simeon was holding up the babe in in his hands and, and prophesying and blessing, she walked in at that instant and picked it up and, and added some things too. Talk about right place. Right time. Is this available to us? These are people who weren't born again. But they became acquainted with the Holy Ghost. And his workings upon them. And learned to respond. How much more. We who have him living inside us 24-7. How much more we ought to learn to be sensitive to him. And responsive to him. What you said out loud, because he leads me, I am always at the right place, at the right time. Hallelujah. Now, even if it looks like you made the wrong turn and was at the wrong place at the wrong time, the last several times, put your faith on it. Don't be moved by that. Don't talk that. Talk faith. Even if it feels like you're calling those things that be not as though they were, do it. That's Bible. It's faith. Right? Say it again, because he leads me. I am always at the right place, at the right time. Hallelujah. Now also, if you'll follow his leadings, you won't be at the wrong place, at the wrong time. Right? Just uh, just this week, you might have, have read or, or saw it on the news, there was an airplane crash in, in Harrison. And uh, some friends of mine... From the Copeland ministry were flying up that very period of time to land at that airport, that same approach. And halfway there, he got it in his heart. He should turn around and go back. Amen. Well, see, he could have been at the wrong place at the wrong time. They went back and landed. Amen. Back home. Why? Well, I told him before he left. I said, if it's not working out. He's going to come up here and help me with something in aviation. I said, if it's not working out, then you don't do it. We'll believe God. See, get home-itis has killed so many people and and got to do it now. And people make their plans and they get set in a certain way and pay no attention to what they got in their heart. In their heart, something's bothering them about this trip. Something's bothering them about this deal. But we've already got our bags packed and we've already got our tickets and we've already got stuff. So they just plunge right on through. People sometimes say, well, I don't understand. You know, so-and-so, they're a good brother and they died in that car wreck. So-and-so's a a good sister and she died in that plane crash. I can't understand it. Why didn't God protect them? I am well convinced that in every case, the Lord was endeavoring to warn people and lead people. But people don't listen. Did you hear me? It's not enough just to quote the 91st Psalm and ignore the leadings of the Lord. That's one way he, one of the biggest ways he protects us is by 
directing us, checking us. You don't have to understand it all if you have a check about doing a thing. Just don't do it. There's been several times I was all primed to do a thing and I just had a check about it and I, and I prayed about it, but I couldn't get past that check. So I said, what'd you do? I stayed home. I said, what happened? Nothing. And that's a very good thing. I mean, what I'm talking about, nothing bad happened. Glory to God. Now, you know, you have to learn for yourself and, uh, you know, you may make some mistakes in endeavoring to learn to be led. You may think, well, I don't know. Did I have a check or did I not have a check? Well, err on the safe side. Right? If you did miss it on that, err on the safe side. And if you're endeavoring to be led and follow him, you will grow. And you'll learn from your mistakes as well as your your success. And as the time goes by, his leadings will get more and more distinct to you and plain to you. Amen. You'll miss it less and less. You'll be at the right place at the right time. How many think this is wonderful? This is supernatural. They walk in at the right place. Exactly the right time. Glory to God. And they did it how? By the Spirit. Don't you like that phrase? By the Spirit. By the Spirit. Like I said, the Living Bible said the Holy Spirit had impelled him to go to the temple that day. The NIV says he was moved by the Spirit and he went into the temple courts. Now, go, go to the book of Acts, please, again. And the 15th chapter. Let me remind you of this. Acts 15. I'm excited in my spirit because I believe I'm going to have a whole church full of spirit-led people. Yeah. Amen. We already have numerous testimonies, already numerous testimonies of people talking about accidents that were avoided and problems that were avoided because they were led by the Spirit. And they weren't at the wrong place at the wrong time. Do you understand that the Holy Spirit and the angels of God are always working to set up a blessing for you? Did you know that? And a good thing. Did you know the devil and his cohorts are always trying to set up a bad thing for you? They're always trying to set up an accident, a problem, a mistake. But you have to go, you have to walk into it. They can't make you do it. You have to walk, you have to follow the wrong thing and be moved by fear or be led by something wrong to go through it. So what you want to do is become so proficient in being led by the Spirit that the devil sets up trap after trap for you and you miss them. You just keep him waiting month after month and year after year. They've got a wreck set up for you. I mean, they worked on it for days and they got a, they got a drunk at the intersection for you at exactly the right time. But you're led by the spirit and just sit in your car for 15 minutes before you start the key. You don't know why, but you just sit there and you prayed in tongues. Amen. And the demons are going, <laughs> we had it set up. Now it's too late and they're not going, they're going to miss it. And <laughs> of course, I'm sure they're cussing and everything, but. But uh, tough. You just keep missing his setups. You just keep missing his traps 
Because as you're led by the Spirit, you're never in the wrong place at the wrong time. You're always in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. I believe you're in the right place at the right time this morning to hear this. Amen. 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 Glory. You just stay with it and you'll go right into the blessings God has planned for you. And you'll miss all the disasters the devil has planned for you. You know, no doubt I've avoided uh, numerous uh, problems. You know, the media and people are always trying to find some scandal with preachers. Do you know that? They're always trying to find some fault with preachers, especially concerning uh, money or concerning sex. I mean, these things sell newspapers like nobody's business. And no doubt there's been several times in my life in ministry where the enemy was trying to set something up. I've had people that, you know, a lady or another a woman in a certain situation want me to come pray for them or come do some certain thing. And the Lord checked me, no, don't you go over there. No, no, don't you, don't you be alone in a room with them, which is just good policy anyway all the time. But even had another check, no, don't it, you send somebody else. And come to find out, yeah, the enemy was trying to say, because you know, you walk into a room and, and a woman jerks her clothes off and somebody takes a picture. How are you going to explain that? Everybody's going, yeah, right, right, you just walked in. Well, see, the devil's like that. Or with money. I've had the Lord deal with me before. Somebody was trying to do something with money. And the Lord deal with me. Don't accept it. I thought. Hmm. We could sure use it right now. Lord. Don't accept it. There's been numerous times. We have not accepted offerings. There's been numerous times. We have sent offerings back to people. Because the Lord revealed to me. There was an ulterior motive. Somebody was trying to buy something. Or they feel like, you know, well, I'm going to do this for you, and then you owe me. You're going to do this for me. It doesn't work that way. Amen. What you do, you're supposed to do to the Lord. Amen. Is that right? Yeah. You can't buy these kind of things. But I'm just saying, whether it's a preacher or whoever it is, if you'll follow the leadings of the Lord, he will alert you when the devil's trying to set up something for you or set up a trap. He will alert you, and you'll go, nah, nah, I'm not going over there today. <laughs> No, I'm not going to go with you. No. Mm -mm. Or he'll just give you some wisdom. You'll take five people with you or something. And it'll just avoid and and give no opportunity or no place for the enemy to do anything. We read this. Let me read it to you again. In Acts 15 and uh, 22. It says, it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men. And the ASV says, it seemed good. The 25th verse, what does it say? It seemed good to us. Verse 28, what does it say? For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us and to us. There's that co-witnessing, isn't it? Is it scriptural, this seemed good business? Yes, it is. It's another way of describing the inward sense and knowing the witness. It's not logic. It's not reasoning. It's not feeling. It's a spiritual sense, spiritual witness. We talked last week about how in verse 34 where it says, It pleased Silas to abide there still. The New King James says it seemed good to Silas. If you look up the words, it is the same words. And we saw how that Silas, even though he was through with the job they sent him to do, and everybody else went back home, 
it seemed good to him to stay right there. And so he just stayed. I'm sure he didn't know in his head because God always leads you by faith. He's not going to tell you everything. He probably didn't know all the reasons why am I staying there. But he just stayed. And sure enough, Paul was looking for a partner in just a few days. And guess who was there? Ready to go at the right place at the right time. Amen. Why? Well, you'd have to add to the Bible to say he saw an angel or heard a voice. Or fell into a trance. These things happen. But they are the exception. They don't happen every day. And they don't happen for everybody. You could go all your life. And never see an angel. You could go all your life. And never hear the audible voice of God. You could go all your life. And never fall into a trance. Or have an open vision. And it wouldn't mean that you were unspiritual. It wouldn't mean that anything was wrong with you spiritually. It just means God didn't see fit to give you that spectacular leading. But you can still be led by the Spirit every day of your life by the witness. By this. Amen. And if these spectacular things happen and when they do, well, praise God for them. But we don't elevate experiences above the Word of God or the witness. That's what we judge everything by. Those two things. The written Word and the witness. Everybody say it out loud. The written Word and the witness. Say it again. The written word and the witness. One more time. The written word and the witness. You judge everything. You judge every sermon you hear me preach by those two things. You judge every prophecy, every book you read, every program you watch, everything you see or hear. I don't care who people say they are or who you think they are, how much more spiritual you think they are than you. Judge what they say. Judge everything that comes out of their mouth, me included. Judge everything that comes out of my mouth to you by those two things. Written word and the witness. If it's God coming through me, you got the same God in you. There will be a witness in you. You'll know if it's him. Amen. It will bear witness with you. Say it out loud. It seemed good. Now go to the uh, 21st chapter. In uh, Acts 21, notice this. This is a very significant thing about being led. Acts 21, well, back up to chapter 20, excuse me. The Apostle Paul is traveling by the leading of the Lord, place after place after place. And he's had more than one circuit of ministry and building churches at this point in his life. And now every place virtually that he goes... He begins to hear something about him being bound, taken into, incarcerated, and bound when he goes to Jerusalem. Because he's headed that way. And in Acts 20 and verse 22, Acts 20, 22, he said, Behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save or except that the Holy Ghost does what? witnesses in every city, everywhere I go, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, are waiting on me. If every every church you go to, every town you go to, somebody prophesies to you, somebody gives you a tongue and interpretation, somebody takes you aside and said they picked it up in prayer, that when you get to Jerusalem, you're going to get thrown in jail. What would you maybe conclude? Well, maybe I ought not go 
to Jerusalem. But notice two things. Notice what he said in the first part of this. He said, I go what? Bound in the spirit. What does that mean? It means I've just got it in my spirit. I've got to go. Right? I've got to go. And then what did he say after he said that everywhere he goes, the Holy Ghost witnesses that bonds and afflictions are waiting on him? Verse 24. But what? None of these things move me. What these bonds and afflictions that are waiting on me. Neither count I my life dear to myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, let's learn something to discern here. There are times when the Lord will warn you about something that's, you know, has negative parts to it. So you can avoid it. So you can pray about it and get it changed. Or so that you can be led and not be at the wrong place at the wrong time like we've been talking about. There are other times when the Lord will talk to you and deal with you about something that has negative implications. But he's not dealing with you to stop it. He's just getting you ready for it. Did you hear me? He's getting you ready for it. Some things can be changed. Other things he's just getting you ready for. Was Paul destined to these things? Do you remember? Just turn back a few pages to the ninth chapter when he got saved. In the ninth chapter, you remember he's on the road to Damascus. He sees the bright light. He can't see. He fasts for three days. And the Lord spoke to a disciple named Ananias. You remember that? Verse 10. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision. Ananias. He said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said, Rise, go into the street which is called Straight, inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays, he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. And Ananias said, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on that name. But the Lord said to him, Go your way, for he is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And I will show him how great things he must, what? Suffer for my name's sake. It's not talking about suffering being broke all the time. Because there are times when Paul had his own hired house with servants for years. Went to different places and preached the gospel. There are other times when he had given everything away and he didn't have something. But he he said, I've learned in every state, you know, to be content. And and he talked about how that God always supplied his needs. You remember that? So it's not just suffering being broke, not suffering sickness and disease. God raised him from the dead one time when he was stoned. You remember that? But what? They that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And he was in jail for preaching Jesus. And he was in chains for preaching Jesus. But that's how the Roman government paid for his transport. And that's how he came before kings. Isn't that right? So was he supposed to say, no, I'm not going to Jerusalem. And then he wouldn't have been in jail. And then he wouldn't have gone and stood before the king. No, it was his destiny. 
So the Holy Ghost wasn't telling him don't do it. The Holy Ghost was preparing him for it. Now go to the 21st chapter, please. Thank you, Lord. Chapter 21. Verse 4. In their travels, they came to another place. And the Bible says, Paul there, finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul, through the Spirit, that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now, did you hear that language? They said to him, what? Don't go. And how did they say it? Through the Spirit. Now, notice in verse 10. And as we tarried there many days, 21.10, there came down from Judea a certain prophet. There were these other individuals, prophets. Verse 4, the people that said don't go. No, they were not prophets. Didn't say they were ministers. They were what? Disciples. We might call them lay people, believers. But here's a prophet. He took Paul's girdle, his belt, and tied up his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost. How many understand that's stronger than impression? That's stronger. Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Did he tell him, thus saith the Holy Ghost, don't go? Huh? Read it again now. Did he say, thus saith the Holy Ghost, don't go? No, he did not. What did he say? He said, the Holy Ghost says, this is what's going to happen. Right? Now, the reason why I'm, I'm going through this slowly... And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. His own crusade team and the people there, they said, well, Paul, don't go. I mean, the Holy Ghost just said. Agabus was a well-respected prophet, you know. And what did he say? Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break my heart? I'm ready not to be bound only, but to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, thank God he wouldn't be persuaded. We ceased saying what? Well, then they weren't convinced that it wasn't God's will for him to go. Right? I've read some theologians and they try to tell you Paul missed it. By going to Jerusalem. But they're just not looking carefully enough. The Lord told Paul when he got saved. That he was going to bear his name before kings and Gentiles. And that's how it happened. And he was going to suffer things for his name's sake. That's how it happened. But the reason I'm talking about this. Go back to that. What is it? That fourth verse. The disciples that told him. Don't go up. Now they actually said. Don't go up to Jerusalem. How did they say that? By what? It said, through the Spirit. Now, if you look up these words, another translation, the Williams translation says, uh, because of impressions made by the Spirit. The Amplified says, prompted by the Spirit. You must discern between perception and leading. 
No doubt these people, they weren't prophets, they weren't ministers, but they, uh, they got to praying and in these meetings with Paul and the Spirit of God's moving and they picked it up in their spirit what he'd, what he'd been hearing all along, bondage, affliction is waiting on you in Jerusalem. But then they put their own interpretation on it and they said, don't go. In learning to be led, you must watch this. Don't fill in the blanks. Did you hear me? You may sense something right, but then assume that it means this and miss it entirely. Brother Hagin said uh, some years ago at a church he was at, he had some ladies that were having a prayer meeting. It was apart from the church, and that's fine. People pray at their house if they want to. But they got to praying, and one of the members came and said, Brother Hagin, I think you ought to check on this thing. I think it's getting off. And one of the reasons she said that is because they had decided that it was time for Brother Hagin to go from the church. <laughs> and uh, he said in his own prayer life, he had sensed. He had already picked up some things about him going, but it wasn't time. It was, it was years away. But, and see, no doubt, they had, you get in the spirit, you can pick up some things in prayer, but you can put your own interpretation on what they mean or when and how they're supposed to happen. I mean, there's been times I picked up things in my spirit and it seemed so real and it didn't happen for 15 years. But see, in the spirit, time is not like it is here. But you go to trying to make it happen the next day and you can cause so much trouble. And then these ladies are going around saying it's time for Brother Hagin to leave. And we're totally wrong. Just like these guys telling Paul he wasn't supposed to go. We're totally wrong. What they perceived was right. What their interpretation of it and application of it was wrong. Does that make sense? How many understand you can put your own wrong interpretation on a right spiritual witness? You did get something from God. But you put your own interpretation on it and you tried to make it mean something else. I know uh, looking back over our life, so thankful how the Lord's led us. We, uh, we had the witness. This was, what, 25 plus years ago? We had the witness that we were to go to a camp meeting, Kenneth Hagin Ministries. It took all the faith we could uh, muster. To believe for gas money to get out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and money to get a room. We'd never been out of the country. We got lost every night trying to get from the convention center to the the hotel, motel it was. And uh, we were there, and they were giving tours of the school. And we, it just seemed like we ought to go. Did you get that now? Yeah. And so we went. And while we're walking around on the campus, something was going on inside us. A witness. I don't mean a voice. I don't mean a feeling. Sometimes part of the witness is associated with, uh, it will affect your emotions. We're not led by feelings, but the witness can affect your emotions. Sometimes you'll get excited when you get a witness. Sometimes you'll cry. 
Not a depressed cry. I know several people have told me that when they came to church here and they had a witness, they were supposed to hook up. And they started crying. (laughs) That's happened many times. And also you might get excited. Well, as we're walking around that campus, I had something in me. Didn't know what it was, but it's a witness. There wasn't reasoning. Something was drawing me to come back there. And I'll never forget it. They took us up over the second level of one of the buildings. It was the music department in those days. And man, I had such a witness about that music department. And I thought, well, I didn't say a word, you know. But I thought, man, maybe I'm going to be involved in the music department. Hadn't even decided to go. But that's how these things work. Phyllis was standing there with me. On the way back, we didn't talk to each other. Driving back home after the meeting, it was quiet in the car. Finally, she said, did you ever know you were supposed to do something? I didn't know if you wanted to do it or not. We'd never left home. And uh, then she said, it stinks there. (laughs) Well, downtown was right by the oil refinery. And in the middle of summer, it stinks. Well, we kept praying about it, and we finally did load up our little truck, looked just like the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> and we went out to school, and I went to school. Years later, she went to school. And uh, get this now. My witness about the music department was right, but I was never a part of the music department. Now, It was such a strong witness. I thought, you know, what is this? I mean, I knew God enough to know this is God and something about this school and something about this music department. Well, not long after I was there, they said, you know, boy, if you have any kind of musical ability, come and and audition and and don't sit out there and and not use your gift. And I thought, well, you know, back home in our little bitty church, I played and sang sometimes. Of course, I had no formal training and a little bit by ear. And so I went. And uh, it was a disaster. I mean, I felt bad for them. I mean, what I mean by that, because, you know, it was a disaster. They asked me to do a couple of simple things, and I couldn't do them. And they said, well, you've got something you could sing. And so I sang. It was a disaster. It was terrible. And I walked away thinking, why did you do that? You know, it really, it was embarrassing. Really embarrassing. They were nice and kind and just smiled and said, well, praise God, brother, you know, (laughs) we'll call you. (laughs) Don't call us. (laughs) And so eventually I I got healed over that. and (laughs) And you would think, well, I missed it, you know, I must have just missed it. What about this music thing? And so a year passed. Everybody say a year. year. Another year passed. Say another year. Another year year passed. Say another year. year. And uh, I didn't give up, though. I I thought, well, there's something here about music. So I found somebody to give me some lessons. And every day I'd go up. I didn't even know. They told me that what I knew was wrong. (laughs) 
even where my fingers went and everything was wrong. And a lady taught me some progressions and a guy taught me some things on the guitar. And every day after class, I'd go up to the little practice room and sit there and plunk and play and pray in tongues. Amen. Amen. Well, not long after that, I was helping in healing school. And they came and they said, uh, they'd heard me plunking around on the piano one time. And they said, we, we want you to play for the service. I thought, okay, I'll be glad to help any way I can. And they left, and, and I thought, oh, no. No. What do you mean, yes? I mean, Brother Hagen is speaking there every day. Room full of people, big crowd. And, and I don't know how to play. And so I came back, and I told the people, I said, well, I said, you know, really, I don't really know how to play. And they said, well, you, you'll be fine. I said, no, I'm not trying to be humble. I really don't, have, don't really know how to play. They said, well, it's yours. I thought, my word. So that, that afternoon, I really prayed in tongues. While I, well, and, and so here it was me. I mean, every, uh, every afternoon, 2.15, you know, I'm playing and I'm, I always had a good ear. So I could hear everywhere I'm missing it. But my ability is just not there to do any better. And I look across the crowd and I see people who are good pianists and people who are good musicians. And I'm thinking, ah, you know, I bet they're thinking, boy, is that the best they can do? But I just stayed after it. And I got better. And I got better. And years, Pastor, everybody say years. Years. And years later, I was special music for Brother Hagen in all his crusades. Now that's a miracle. It is. But I was. And the Lord's given us many songs. and We've done recordings. And, and, and I still don't know much about music. But what I'm saying is, see, I thought it had something to do with the music department. It had nothing to do with the music department. I was never a part. But I was a part of something with music. Years, everybody say years. years. Later, you see how easy it is to put your own interpretation on something. We thought we were relocating our ministry to Branson. That's it. We didn't know anything about a church. Be easy to put your own interpretation. We thought, well, hey, we're moving to Branson. Praise God. But the Lord had church in mind. Church. Good church. Big church. Strong church. We could have, I could have put my, my own interpretation on any number of things. What I'm saying, don't fill in the blank. Say it out loud. Don't, don't fill in the blank. What you've got to do is try, try this phrase out loud. Uh, say, say this, I don't know. <laughs> say it again, I don't know. Now what I'm, I'm, I'm practicing you up for is people will say, well, man, you know, we got this witness. We got a tongue and interpretation. We, we got a prophecy. What does that mean? <laughs> you got to learn to say, I don't know. Well, he said this. What does that mean? I don't know. Or I don't know fully. Right? Did you hear me? And don't try. See, so people try to, you know, ministers have to watch about this. They think they've got to answer every question. Don't know how to say, I don't know. I had a fellow one time come to me and he said, Brother Keith, he's asking me a spiritual question about a scripture. He said, this certain thing right here. He said, what does that mean? I said, well, I've thought about that. 
and studied it some and looked at it. And I said, basically, I don't know. <laughs> he said, he said, oh, Brother Keith, he said, I, I, he said, you just don't want to tell me. He said, uh, come on now, tell me. I said, really? I don't know. He said, ah, you do? You just don't want to tell? I said, look at me. <laughs> I don't know. Why do people have so much trouble with that? But they do. And preachers think they always have to give an answer. And Christians think they always have to know. Look, everybody try it out loud with me again. How do you say it? I don't know. I, don't know. I believe I'll find out. He'll teach me. He'll show me. But when you don't know what it means, you don't know. So you have to be willing to admit that and say, the Lord, he will show us. Amen. I think this is a good place for us to conclude right now. But do you understand about the witness of the Spirit? How you must discern between a perception and direction. You may sense a thing, but beware of putting your own interpretation on it. Somebody say, well, the Lord's dealt with me that I'm going to be in a certain place in the church. Well, say, I thought I was going to be in the music department. There have been numerous times that I thought, well, I'm, I'm supposed to be hooked up with these people. But there was no place. And for years there was no place. And then some things turned and, and it came around and there was a place. And it worked out. How many understand you have to prove yourself? Amen. You have to pass tests? Amen. Do you understand that? That's come up a few times around the church here. Uh, it, not a lot, but people think, you know, well, I'm ready to do this or I'm ready to do that. Well, you you got to prove yourself in some ways. It's biblical. It's scriptural. Let them first be proved. Amen. The scripture said, one thing you got to do is just show up. Amen. Right? Be here and give and pray and be available. And then some things take time. You may have a call on your life. You may have a gifting inside you, but you may not be able to operate in it right now. It may not be developed. You understand? Just because you've got a call on your life doesn't mean you're able to do it right now. You may have to develop some and get to that place. But if you'll be faithful and prove yourself and pass the test, no man can stand in your way. God is bigger than men. Amen. And a man's gift makes room for him. Hallelujah. God, if you'll be faithful, God will see to it and, and have, have a little confidence in us. If God has to, you know, if something's not going right about you, if he has to, he'll wake us up in the middle of the night. Amen. He'll show us. We'll get it. But if he doesn't, be willing to admit that you could have missed it too. Right? Stand on your feet if you would. Y'all listen so good. Pay such close attention. Hallelujah. The reason we have the ability to be led by the Spirit is because Jesus bought us with His blood. Amen. We want to honor that and celebrate that this morning. Ushers, you go ahead and begin making your way down to the front. And let's just hold up our hearts and our hands and say it out loud Father God, we are yours. Bought by your Spirit, washed in your blood, redeemed, Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge, by the partners of More Life Ministries, 
and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.